Do-do-do-do-do-do. Welcome to episode 26, Flow Rolling. That's what today's episode's about. I'm your host, Andrew Desimone, with my co-host... Croiler Gracie. Croiler, thank you for being here today. Yep. <laughs> I, I had to talk you out of your car. You pulled into the driveway, and then I could see you put it in reverse, and you're backing out. And I was like, no, 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 stay. Yeah, and I wasn't I, sure what kind of... <laughs> What am I walking into today? I know. You don't know if you're going to walk into a house that has no AC. You don't know if you're going to walk into a, uh, if there's going to be some type of small gang war in the house. Right. I, I live in a very dangerous part of town. It's very sketchy. Super sketchy. The median age is 77. And so <laughs> so you can be sure that there are a lot of social cliques here. Oh, they, yeah. They can be very aggressive towards yeah, outsiders. I saw, I saw the guy sitting on his porch reading oh, a book yeah. with the compression socks up to his knees do you know, and shorts. Do you know how many weapons he has hidden in those compression shorts and behind that I'm book? I'm sure. Because right across the street, there was a, a old lady with no compression socks. I'm assuming that's like a gang marker. It is. Because like they were like not making eye contact at all. And you probably thought, oh, it's cute. Look, everyone comes out on their driveway or on their porches and sits out in, in the evening. It's not cute. It, this is it, it gets very tense, tense right? because you yeah. can. I used to walk my dog, but I felt like I was right in the middle of like a crossfire, like just a potential crossfire. Okay. And so, yeah, drive out quickly. Okay. Is it, did you notice that how everyone sits on their porches when yes. you come in here? Yes, it's, it's hilarious. <laughs> there are so many people who. Sit on their porches across from each other. So what do you do? Do you? They, they won't talk to each other. No. They just look at each other. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they have a standard. Hello, Harold. How are you? But then after that, they if you're not talking, yeah. <laughs> you just stare like next to them, not directly at them. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I do think the compression socks may be a, a gang marker there. <laughs> oh, I would love that. <laughs> I, I'm currently unaffiliated with any of the gangs in here because we, there was a block party on Sunday. You that were not I, invited? I was, but I specifically, I pulled in, I live in the cul-de-sac, I pulled in and I saw everyone was like getting together. I'm like, no, I don't want to, I, I just don't feel like doing this today. I had to edit the podcast and do other oh, stuff. Oh, dang. And so I, I pulled in, I ran in, I grabbed my dog, almost like there was a, a like a a, an earthquake or a fire coming, <laughs> grabbed my dog and then I just left for two hours. Hey, you got to do what you got to do. I get it. I'm playing hard to get because if they're all trying to get me on their, in their gang, they want the young guy in the gang. The yeah, guy who'd be a force to be reckoned with. Yeah, I could be there. Well, as far as they're concerned with my very low level understanding of technology to them, I might as well be like a, a incredible hacker. Yeah. I'd be the tech guy. Yeah. You're like a, and the muscle. Know. Yeah. And you'd be like the enforcer slash, you know, driver. Spy. Spy, driver, whatever. Slash food chewer, yeah. regurgitator. Yeah. <laughs> okay, enough about me. Back to uh to flow rolling. Flow rolling, yeah. Uh, I, 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 this was on my mind recently because we, we talked about it in class and you had a private the other day where we were talking about flow rolling and it just made me think, what what is flow rolling exactly? Because to me, for the longest time, I thought flow rolling is just relaxed rolling. But there's more to it than Absolutely. to that. Well, see, flow rolling is one of those things that... It, it it more often than not goes horribly unless you know how to do it properly. You know, um, so the, the idea behind flow rolling is to move, to, to keep the ball going, you know, to, to keep the, the roll, for, la- for lack of a better word, flowing. So, you know, if you and I are flow rolling, you may do a technique, right? And then you achieve a new position because of whatever technique you did. And then I will respond with the technique, which then, you know, if we're flowing, I should also achieve a new position. And then you do a technique back. And we go back and forth that way until we either get tired, somebody doesn't know what the next play is, and then they, they get caught. Now, the problem with that is, you know, there's the, 
there's the idea of relaxed rolling where <clears throat> you essentially, you know, cuddling with one another and not really doing anything, which is not ideal because then you're not practicing techniques. You're not looking to, to time things. There's no feel being developed. Um, and, and, and you essentially, you're just there. Your body's just there, which is not good. And Or it falls on the other side where you know, the, the flow roll stops being a flow roll because somebody's getting angry that they're getting put in the worst position or they're not getting the better of the exchanges or they resist the exchanges. And then all of a sudden egos flare up and, and somebody needs to like beat their chest and show that they're the toughest guy around, you know? Mm-hmm. When you're talking about taking turns or when you're saying like you have a technique and then this person has a technique, what are you defining as a technique? Is a technique simply when you slap and bump hands, oh, this person goes from half guard or from uh, in your guard to side control. All right, that's their technique. Now the next person goes. Or are you thinking technique, they follow through all the way? Well, it, it depends on the level and the, and the partnership, right? So one, it's a very simple way of thinking about it is like you play volleyball, right, and growing up. I'm built for volleyball. Yes, you are. <laughs> but, you, you know, you've, you've done the whole thing like where you're essentially just, you know, keeping the ball up in the air mm-hmm. for as long as you can, right, with your friends. Or in soccer, they do it with, with a soccer ball with their feet, right? You know, keep keep the ball up in the air for as long as you can. And you just pass it around and, and all that. Now, the idea there is never to show off how much cooler you are at keeping the ball in the air, but more so that you can keep the ball in the air mm. right now with practice you become very good and you know especially with soccer with your feet you can do some cool tricks right but again the goal is still to keep the ball in the air and if you drop the ball you drop the ball mm-hmm. um I, the way i think of flow rolling is very much that way you know i'm gonna let you do whatever it is you're trying to do with very minimal resistance so there's something there otherwise you're just moving against a you know a, a corpse mm. and and you'll achieve whatever your goal is. So if your goal is to, to achieve a guard pass, example, go from side, from guard to side mount, great. If your goal is to achieve a grip, maybe a grip that you don't usually get that I know you're working on, then, then that is the technique, right? Getting that particular grip, that's your goal. You're just looking to develop it. Or an entry to a technique, maybe, you know, you're very good at controlling the honey hole and very good at submitting from the honey hole, but you're not good at getting there from, let's say, butterfly. So getting into the honey hole becomes the technique, right? Um, sometimes it's a submission. You, you're working really hard at this particular choke and, and you finally get it. So whatever technique, whatever goal target you're looking to achieve, once you achieve that, then, you know, that's where like having a mutual understanding, understanding you know, with your partner and, and spending time together becomes very meaningful because you realize, okay, I'm going to let him carry this through a little bit further because he's been working on this guard pass. Right. He got to side mount. But because he's never really accomplished this guard pass, he also has never accomplished controlling side mount. So I, I may just let him not only pass, but get good control of side mount. And then at that point, then I would play, right? Then I would escape side mount versus if I know you're good at controlling side mount, you're just trying new pass. Once you get the new pass, then I can react maybe before you establish side mount. So a big part that you touched on of flow rolling is knowing the person. Do you have to know the person to have a successful flow roll? No. If, if both parties know how to flow, then then it's 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 doable. Because in, in, in jiu-jitsu, there's an understanding, right? You see a guy comes in the door that trains jiu-jitsu that you've never talked to before. And you go roll. How many times have you asked them, like, hey, you do know that if I tap, you got to let go? How many times have you said that? I can't remember ever doing that. Right. But why not? That's a very important thing. You don't know if that guy's a dick is going to break your arm. But there's an understanding, right, when you guys start rolling. And, and right away, you know if that guy's a jerk, if he's not a jerk, how easy you're going to go, how hard you're going to go. It's the same thing with the flow, with flowing. Sometimes we're like, yeah, let's flow roll. And then, like, you start grappling with them. And then they just, like, attack you, <laughs> you know, like. They're not floor rolling. They're taking advantage of you. Right. You know. Should you only roll with people that you trust then in that case? And that doesn't necessarily mean you have to know them, but just 
you should be able to do a quick take on this person to know, all right, they probably know how to, how well, to you, flow. you'll know right away. So, you know, it, it all comes with experience, right? So if I, if I, you know, I've, you've gone to Mexico with me, mm. you know, a lot of the black belts that go to the camp in Mexico, they're, they're looking to play, to have fun, right? To play jujitsu. And that's where flow rolling is very, very important. If you're injured, you're hurt, you know, you're on vacation mode, you don't want to be all beat up, but you still want to play jujitsu is very, very important. So you start flow rolling, and this is with anybody. And the moment that it's not flow rolling anymore, because somebody is just a corpse, they're letting you do anything that you want with no resistance, or the moment that somebody is far too intense to be flow rolling, then you need to understand that the objective of that role has, has shifted, right? Where the objective of flow rolling is for technical growth and improvement. The moment that somebody shifts that tone to, I'm going to take advantage of this black belt because he's flow rolling, he's trying to work on things that he's not good at. Um, it doesn't have to be a black belt, it could be a blue belt even, right? Um, I'm going to take advantage of this person because they're trying to develop their game, so they're exposing their weaknesses. The moment that, that your, your partner makes that choice, then the objective of the role has shifted. It's no longer technical growth. Now you're looking to, you know, protect yourself, make sure you're not injured. You know, if possible, you know, dish back this guy's attitude back to him so that he understands he's being disrespectful and taking advantage of the situation. Earlier, you were talking about the analogy of volleyball as passing back and forth and this idea of keeping it going Mm -hmm. in volleyball you're keeping the ball going what exactly are you keeping going in the role what's the thing that's going forward that's being passed (laughs) for again for lack of a better word the flow right Uh so you know imagine this imagine i imagine i roll with you right so you're almost a purple belt but you've been training for four years now, right? So I've been a black belt forever. I've been a black belt for going on 10 years. And if I go 100%, I'm twice your size, I have more technique, and I go 100% with you, every every time I grab a limb, anything, it's going to lead to submission right away. So our match ends up being 30 seconds long, right? We may have 50 matches in a total of 10 minutes, but nobody developed or, or grew technically from it. You never got past the whole, like, holy shit, he's attacking my wrists, he's attacking my elbows, attacking my shoulders. Like, this isn't fun. I'm just trying to, like, survive. And me, on the other hand, I never got to explore the, what if my first move doesn't work or my second move doesn't work, right? Um, so the, the roll, the 10 or 15 minutes that we have rolling, is very choppy. It's very, like one and done or two and done, right? Where if we flow and and there's that exchange and we're keeping the the match going, we may find ourselves in positions that we, we're not usually in because we're getting further along the story. Does that oh, make okay, sense? I like that, yeah. So, I, I don't know. I, I think like there's a time and a place to go 100% and, and show off your A game and, and, and be a hard ass and, and be a tough guy. Generally speaking, if you're looking to just improve technically, flow rolling is the way to go. If you're, if you're looking to sharpen um, your A game, then competition training where we're rolling really, really hard is important because you're fighting resistance then, right? But that's taking what you are already good at and just making it work under pressure mm-hmm. versus growing your game. If I'm flowing, let's say you and I are flowing, I can get, so, I'm obviously going to be able to get some stuff from it because you're letting me get to spots I wouldn't usually get on you. But you, even with your more more experience, can still get something from the flow with Absolutely. me because we're going further into this story or we're going further into different areas that we aren't going to go when you and I just roll. Right. You can you can either set it up or you can just say, oh, Andrew got to this point, which he doesn't usually get to. Right. Let's see what he does when he gets here and maybe I'll do something that you haven't seen from that area. Right. Or not that, but. So, you know, um, example, um, I was running with Claude, you know, the, the brown belt at our school and him and I have spent 
a good chunk of the last year and a half, two years, you know, train pre regularly together. Um, he's always trained with me from white belt to now, but where we're kind of amping up our training together more because he's he's getting good enough to do that, you know. And um, he, you know, he was getting ready for competition for a lot of competitions this year. He's competed like six times, I think. And so every role with him has been like hard, you know, because he's he's thinking, when is the next competition? Mm-hmm. Um, and then about three or four weeks ago, I was rolling with him. Or I said something in class about like, hey, you know, focus on getting to areas you're not usually at. And I said, you know, what if Claude mounts me? You know, how many times am I mounted, right? And Claude's like, yeah, like once every, you know, six to eight months. And that's a really good point. How many times am I mounted against my will? Very rarely, right? And again, I'm not looking to gloat or brag. I'm just saying it happens. As you get better, you can avoid those positions. Um, so the next time I rolled with him, he's like, man, he's like, I'm super tired. It's a long day at work. Um, I'm like, that's okay, let's just flow. So he pulls guard, I go in his guard. And then we had just worked a hip over sweep in Nogi. Set up, he, hip, he hips over, he gets to mount. He's like, why'd you do that? <laughs> and I'm like, why? He goes, why'd you let me get to mount? I'm like, because you had a good point. When was the last time you mounted me? He never got to work his mount game on me because he doesn't get there or not often. Meanwhile, I don't get to work on my mount defense because I'm also not there. So you are right that we can both take something out of it. He can develop his attacking game. I can develop my defensive game and so on and so forth. And when you're doing it with someone you know and trust, you have the benefit of one, they know what you're working on. So they'll help you get to that point and work there. Two, you can make yourself vulnerable to them right. and not worry about them either hurting you or just let it go to their head and them having like a chip on their shoulder. And right. It, right. I mean, and, and that's the thing that people don't understand, right? So if, if imagine, imagine you're rolling with Marcelo Garcia, right? And, and there's not a chance right now that you could ever beat Marcelo Garcia. <sighs> <laughs> There's a chance if if he just got off like a he's ten day like I mean he's human. like binge drinking and yeah. I walked in like snuck into his house at four in the morning and he's still drunk he's still drunk I slap him and then well, why would I slap him that's now, why are you slapping like, why does that <laughs> come in? Up? <laughs> no. and then I just uh, I man even that would be hard because if I hop in like on in mount. I'm, I'm, all right. He, my best case scenario is he's <laughs> is that he's a stomach sleeper, oh, so I can just, just jump on his I back. can just get on his back right away. <laughs> so you know, so my point is like, let's say you get Marcelo Garcia, right? You you go to New York, you're visiting family, friends, whatever, and you say, hey, I'm gonna drop in and train with Marcelo, right? Marcelo sees you rolling with the other guys. You're you're very good at flow rolling, so he sees you flow rolling with his guys, and he's like, wow, this kid is kind of cool. My guess is Marcelo Garcia doesn't roll with any blue belt that comes in, but if he sees you with a cool attitude, polite, you're friendly, um, you know, you you roll really well, you're very flowy, there's no ego showing, and he's like, man, this might be fun to see what this blue belt's all about, right? So he starts rolling with you and he's flow rolling. He's flowing at your pace, maybe even a little bit less than your pace, just to kind of fill you out and see see how you can move. And then let's say you, you know, he exposes his back, lets you take the back, see how you work your back attacks. And then you see his neck open. So then you fly for a rear naked, right? He starts to defend and you know that the rear naked's not gonna work. But God damn it, when, when is going to be the next time that you're Marcelo Garcia's back? So what do you do? You just pull his head. Like you're not even like looking for a choke. You're just, look, just, you're just squeezing his face and pulling his head sideways, hoping to get like a pain tap out of this. Marcelo Garcia is going to escape. He's going to be pissed off. He's going to beat you 10 ways from Tuesday. And then he's going to say, hey, the fuck was that? Uh- and then when he ramps it up, I'll be like, hey, man, I thought we were flow rolling. Right. That happens all the time. Yeah. And that's where, like, you need to have, there needs to be a mutual understanding, right? That when we're flowing, we're flowing. You know, yes, we're looking to get to new positions. But the idea of flow rolling, the reason why you get technically better by flow rolling is because, one, you explore areas 
parts of the story that you didn't do before, right? So if if we think of terms of in terms of like video game, right? If if your your competition game is going to be your fastest path to beating the game, your main storyline, right? But the floor rolling may give you more more depth to the story, right? And and you know maybe other items that may help you in the future, right? So um, if if the floor rolling will allow your game to expand because you will find yourself in places that you're not usually in, which may lead you to discovering, hey, I'm kind of weak in this spot. I got to X guard for the first time ever, and I don't know anything from X guard, right? Floor rolling will allow you to see that, and then you can work on that and develop that. Um, on the other side of that, floor rolling will also allow you to see things that your opponents are doing to you that you may not realize in a more real role, right? So they may have a certain grip that screws up your guard, and you you never see it because you're just reacting mm-hmm. in the heat of the moment. But in floor rolling, you may go, oh, that's the grip. That's why he always passes my guard. Or you may realize something that you're not doing that you could be doing that would be better. You know, every, every time I mount somebody, they push my hips. And I thought I was holding their head to keep myself from being pushed off, but I wasn't. So now you can see that, right? And it allows you to, to find those flaws and those mistakes. So not only are you growing, you're also sharpening the, the shortcomings and, and improving on the good things that you already have. So keep an eye out for the reactions also. Don't forget Absolutely, to do that. Right. And that, that's like the next level over, right? So you're then, you, if you flow roll really well and you're very aware and you're very in the moment, you can, like you said, map out reactions. Every time I do this, everybody I flow roll with when I do this behaves this way. I can now take advantage of that because that's going to be like a very common reaction. Mm-hmm. And now you can, next time you floor roll, you can cause that reaction to happen and then take advantage of the outcome. With flow rolling, is it more about the movement and transitions or should you also be thinking about submissions? Oh, you no, you should absolutely think about submissions. Okay. And, and, and if you get a submission, it's fair game, you know. Now, you should be able to apply it with little to no power, right? If you get to an arm bar and you're grunting and huffing and puffing and driving your hips through the person's elbow, like that's not the point of floor rolling, right? The point of floor rolling is to improve technically. So how could you apply an arm bar with the least amount of effort and the maximum amount of success you know, or efficiency? Um, so the best etiquette for submissions, because as you were telling the Marcelo story, I was thinking, well, if I was on his back and, and I saw that opportunity, there's nothing wrong with going for that rear naked choke, even if he, because he's, if he's giving it to me, I can, defend, right. I can take that chance. The line you don't want to cross is they start to defend it and then saying, well, I think I can push through this because then that changes what's well, I happening. Mean, I mean, they can even defend and you can still push through that defense, right? So let's say you go for the rear naked, he starts blocking his neck, he starts peeling your arms off, and then you're resistant, resistant to that. That's okay. You don't know that Marcelo Garcia isn't working on exactly that, mm-hmm. right? Defending the rear naked in that particular way. You don't know that. You haven't talked to the guy, you haven't met the guy before. So you can be resistant to it. What you cannot be is opportunistic in the idea of taking advantage of him, right? So let's say he starts to defend, and you know you're not gonna get the rear naked. You have no idea what he's doing to defend it. It's just completely destroying your game and you have nothing. You know you got nothing. So you say, you know, fuck it. I'm just gonna put my form across the bridge of his nose and then, you know, rear naked his nose. And then I'm gonna turn his head sideways and thrash and do everything that I can to hurt him. Well, that's not a technique. Right, that's not a rear naked. Nobody does a rear naked that way. Mm-hmm. You're just forcing things. You're trying to get a tap out of him. It becomes now more about getting that tap than it does about improving either your attack or his defense. What if I'm on the back? Is there a certain time that you'll spend somewhere? So if I do have, let's say, I have his back and I'm I'm trying to trap an arm, I'm trying to find different ways under his chin for the rear naked choke, is there a point where I should just give up and switch to something else or yeah. is it okay to well, keep well, trying for things well and that's it depends what you're flowing for right mm-hmm. 
So if you're working particularly a specific setup for the choke, right? There's a specific one, two, three combo you learn to do the rear naked. And he's defending that one, two, three combo. You should keep trying that one, two, three combo so that you can see how he's beating it. So that later, or, or if you're a fast thinker enough, in the moment you can say, okay, every time I do step two, he kills the combo because he does this thing, right? So the next time you do the one, two, three combo, you can look for that thing and try to avoid it, right? So then you're growing from it, which on the other side, it makes him have to defend differently mm -hmm. and helps grow his defense too. Now, if you're, if you're on his back and the goal is not necessarily to get a specific setup, but just to, take, to get a submission, <clears throat> you're working on submissions from the back and you do your one, two, three combo, he defends, well, try it again. He defends it again, okay, maybe move on. How is he defending the one, two, three combo? Every time I do the second step, he grabs my arm. Cool. Can you do something about that? To where you still get a submission off of it, flow into something, chain in another attack. So then it's not just about the rear naked or that particular combo for the rear naked, but it's rear naked, he defends into maybe an arm bar, and he defends maybe into a triangle, and now we're chaining things and we're growing. I mentioned earlier, I always used to think flow roll is slow. Flow roll means always moving. Now I now know it mean it doesn't mean that you have to be slow by any means. Should you always be moving or can you sit and savor and try to learn from the moments where you're stationary and trying to fight for the little spaces or is that something else if that's what you're working for absolutely okay. for me like i mean I, I i grapple with with how like two hours sometimes a little more than that a week um sometimes a little less depending on the schedule of course um and we flow a lot of the time you know we we flow by no means means we're both like going nice and easy and soft no it just means we're allowing for an exchange of knowledge to happen i do a technique he does a technique i do a few techniques he does a few techniques and sometimes we clash in it that we get to stalemate right so in those stalemates then we're fighting for the minute stuff the, the small angles the small little you know i'm gonna wedge my knee here or i'm gonna put my hand here or i'm gonna move this way and and sometimes you know, he'll you think he'll get ahead of me or I'll get ahead of him and we get to position of control <clears throat> and we're not ready to flow into the next position yet because maybe we're working on controlling this particular position. Like in example with Claude, let's say he mounts me. His primary goal shouldn't be to tap me, it should be to just keep it. How often is he in the mount? Right? If he can increase that time Every time he gets to the mount, the fewer occurrences he gets to mount, if he can increase the duration that he's mounted, then he's getting more time to flow there, mm -hmm. right? So it depends what you're working for. But yes, controlling is a fair part of the game. Fighting for the little things is fair part of the game. And sometimes in that flow, there will be a stalemate. You keep mentioning and going back to, it depends when you're working on. It depends what you're working on. So some people... I think have the idea of flow roll also flow has this connotation to it of very subjective and hey man just do whatever bro like anything goes <laughs> like when I first started that's what I thought is I whenever someone said hey let's just flow I thought all right let's there's it's almost like come into an empty-minded and just like surf this wave which I don't it know is. It, it is. that is part of it but it sounds like you should also, do you go into it with that empty mind or do you go into it, do you go maybe empty minded and then say, I'm going to, once I get to a point, see, oh, maybe I should work this angle or do you go into it thinking, I want to try to work on this. Let me see if this comes up while we're rolling. But this is where, this is where like, you know, like when I mentioned earlier on in the, in the episode, I said, you know, it depends who you're rolling with and the partnership that's happening there, mm -hmm. right? So if, if I'm rolling with somebody that's very, very good, somebody who can flow for a long time, let's say like Dr. Howe, who I've flow rolled with for 10 years, right? We can 
flow everywhere, like in every position. And we know what we're working on. I know what he's working on. He knows what I'm working on. We kind of put ourselves there. We develop the game and we grow, right? Um, but if you take two two blue belts and you say, let's say even better, two white belts, even a more extreme example, say flow roll. Have you ever seen two white belts flow roll? That's impossible because they don't know shit, you know? And that's a, that's a problem, right? Because if you don't know what you're supposed to be developing, how can you develop it? It, well, and also, it's if we go back to our <laughs> volleyball analogy, it'd be like having two people trying to volley a ball back and forth, but they just want to spike the ball every time. <laughs> every time. Every time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you know the, the the problem there is the less knowledge you have, the more focused your flow roll has to be. So, as an example, let's say where Doctor How was a black belt and me we can kind of flow roll everywhere, right? Um, a two blue belts may not. Because let's say these two blue belts flow, flow roll into a position that neither of them know anything. So um, something we haven't covered in our program and in our curriculum at our school, we haven't covered 50-50 yet. It's not been covered, it's been mentioned, but we did not cover it, right? Positions from 50-50. So imagine you're flow rolling with another blue belt at our school. And you guys get to 50-50. You don't know what, to, what you're supposed to do there. You also don't know what you're not supposed to do there. And your partner is in the same boat because it's 50-50. So then you have this option of we sit there and make eye contact and have this very awkward semi-private moment. Or it gets really clunky, which defeats the purpose of flow rolling. And one of you tries to get the better of the position, right? Oh, I sit there in that. I, do, I go with the first option. I, I just, figured it was part of the controller system. I just hang the, out the there stair, for the a while. <laughs> yeah. So you know, because because the the knowledge, the knowledge is the, the knowledge base is smaller, right? If you are to flow, you have to flow in areas that you have knowledge that you can expand upon, right? So think about when you flow roll with the other blue belts. How often do you go into positions you have no idea what to do? I, not as often I tend, Very to, little, tend right? to hang out in the waters that I'm more familiar with. That's, that's the idea. Cause mm -hmm. that's what you know. Right. And then as you become more comfortable and as you get more pieces to the puzzle, you can expand even a little bit more. So, um, you know, like when I say, what are you working on to me? If I was to teach somebody to flow roll and from starting from ground zero, Right. If I'm going to teach somebody to, that's never flow rolled before to flow roll, I would say, hey, you're going to work for, let's say, half guard. You're going to do Kimura from half guard. And that's the only thing. This is the setup that I want you to do. We're going to just stay in half guard. And if I pass your half, I go back. If you sweep me, we go back to half. If you get the tap, we go back to half. That's all we're going to do. We do that quite a bit at our gym where it's kind of like a positional rolling or right. we're you're just focusing on this section. Right. And it's very helpful, especially for those of us who will stay in the same spot a lot of times and right. get very comfortable in areas. So you develop that, mm -hmm. right? And that is flow rolling, but it's very short, right? It's not very fun because it's small. But you do enough of that and you start chaining techniques and then maybe now you can flow roll not just from the Kimurian half guard, but all of half guard. And then it becomes more dynamic. Who knows? And then if you continue to floral and become well acquainted with half guard, then we can floral into, let's say, butterfly guard and develop that. So now you can, you not only can flow in half, but also in butterfly and you can connect the two. And then all of a sudden the, the realm of comfort grows. Flow rolling is a lot like dancing too, I think. N neither of us are dancers, but I feel like it's got to be close. You have people who know how to dance. They don't want to dance with people who have no clue how to dance are going to show them off, show, try to show them up. They want to dance with someone who they, they vibe with and who has, who, who knows the steps, isn't going to be stepping on their toes, who they can just have this smooth transaction of energy back and forth. Right. That's, that's what we do. We're just dancing really. Oh God. Because 
You're that cloud I can dance. <laughs> <laughs> but like a, like a black belt, you probably have some of your best flow rolls with, well, like how? A black belt you know, because mm-hmm. you guys have a similar skill level and you have, you understand each other's movements. Right. That he is, is he is my toughest role. This is how is my toughest role out of any black belts I roll with. The dude knows my game. Mm-hmm. So even if we're flow rolling, he knows exactly what I want to try to do next. And he stops it before I start it. So like it's super frustrating. It's rolling with somebody that literally knows what you're gonna do next. Rolling it changes so much from person to person, especially the flow rolling. There are people at our gym who every time I roll with them, it's a great roll because neither of us have any intention of trying to one-up the other person it's just fun let's see where we go Mm -hmm. and and styles i think have a big part to do in being able to flow with someone what do you mean if i'm with someone i like to move i like to roll and kind of have like a like an acrobatic roly-poly type of um roll and if i get someone who is similar we just we, we can roll around and have this similar style that is this similar though think about this because like there's times where you haven't you and i have rolled where like things are a little more serious and it's not as much of fun roll as it is like survival mm-hmm. but then there's times where you and i have flow rolled quite a bit where we're both you going to these crazy positions yes and and you know my style and yours are not necessarily identical but see in those moments where we are having this crazy fun roll I feel like you're mimicking my style. Well, like, to, to an extent, uh-huh. but it's also because, you know, I want to play. Right. But that's, that's very important. All right. How many people are cool with playing if they keep on the losing end of this? I see. So it's more of a mentality rather than Absol- a style. Absolutely. Imagine, imagine... You're full full of room with somebody, right? Somebody you haven't met. Let's say a purple belt. Somebody just above your level. And they're like, man, this Andrew guy is pretty good. And he's full rolling with you. And then, you know, you sweep him, you get to top. And then he tries to sweep you back. Right? And then you're working on, you know, stopping the sweep. Or, you know, or maintaining balance. Maintaining top control. So you resist in a particular way. It stops his sweep. And not in a dickish way. You just, you know, you countered it, Mm. which is fair. So then now you get to side mount. And then he tries to escape. You allow him to escape. And then you set up a submission as he escapes side mount. You tap him. Again, no egos here, right? This was a flow. This is an exchange. So he's like, oh, wow, okay, you know, we're flowing, no big deal. Blue belt, lower rank, smaller guy, who cares? You know, it's just playing around. And then you guys go again, and then he tries to pass your guard. You allow him to pass. As he's passing, you take advantage of his movement. You see an opportunity to throw up a triangle, triangle him. He tries to escape, he can't, he taps. Okay, cool, you know, this blue belt guy is kind of tougher than I thought. No big deal. And you keep going and you keep tapping. How long do you think it'll take for that guy who does not know you to go, fuck this guy? I'm gonna kill him. Most people, it's gonna happen pretty fast after one or two taps. Absolutely. But there was never an intention of humiliating the guy or taking advantage of him or, you know, showing off. That was never the goal. It was just an exchange of technique that he couldn't keep up with. And it led to him to a shortcoming, mm-hmm. right? So um, the that's where problems come up is because it may be a flow roll to start, but very quickly when people feel like they're in the losing end, they will fight to get back to a comfort, to a place of comfort. And that's in, in that fighting, in that resisting the flow, is where they the people's emotions come into play. That's where you know the speed amps up and people can't keep up. Well, and there's also that like that part of the ego, and I've been guilty of this, where you say to yourself after someone catches you in a flow roll, oh, "Okay, well, I, I just need to I need to remind you that I 
that I'm better than you. Right. <laughs> and, right. and that that's not a good thing to have in a flow world. But yeah, that that it, there's that little voice that says, okay, they caught me. Cool. Oh, okay, they caught me again. Right. I need to tap them just so they know that I, I can yeah. tap them. Push comes to shove, I still got them, right? Yeah. Which, if you're both flow rolling, the thought of that you can't catch them or that you're not as good as them should have ever entered their mind. Mm-hmm. But most people aren't wired that way. Right. So you remember when we went to uh, BJ in Paradise, mm-hmm. um, which small shout out to Brad Wolfson. Um, he hosts um, one of the best camps I've ever been to um, in Mexico. It's called BJ in Paradise. I've gone every year. Um, highly recommend anybody yeah. that wants to go. It's in Puerto um, Escondido. Fun week long trip. Beautiful. Great food. Great training. Yeah. Um, so do you remember when we went and then we won't mention names, but there was one guy there who, um, was kind of quirky and, you know, obviously a knowledgeable guy, but quirky. And he was kind of like cute corner people and start talking to them. Mm-hmm. Okay. And do you remember the instance when we were coming back from one of the tours and this purple belt that was there? decided to take it upon himself who this purple belt was talking to this white belt right and this purple belt um the white belt was a quirky guy the purple belt decided to take it upon himself to see how far could he he stretch this guy's knowledge base out right so they started a conversation about like the spanish conquest right and then the the purple belt, very knowledgeable very intelligent guy he like kept taking it further and further away from the Spanish conquest. Cause like, Hey, maybe this guy's comfortable in historical facts. Right. And then he went on to talk about astrology. Right. <laughs> and then into, Forget about this. yeah. And then into astronomy. Right. Uh-huh. And the other guy was keeping up. Right. And then they started getting into comic books yep. and then on TV shows based off of comic books and then into food and cooking and then to different countries and languages. I mean, like, they like that purple belt saw it as a challenge like hey can i can i pull this quirky white belt who has a wide base of knowledge about everything and and can i can i can i go far out enough into the realms that he's not comfortable with eventually he did Mm -hmm. right do you remember what he what that limit was I, I can't. I don't remember. I tuned it out after a while. <laughs> but I was but, impressed that uh, yeah, we talked. The about white it. belt was able to go that far with right, him. right, right. And the belt color is not anything to do with like their intelligence level or anything. It's just you wouldn't have pegged this guy to be able to to keep up, keep up. With yeah. yeah. So so um, flow rolling is kind of like that, right? If my knowledge base is bigger than yours, push comes to shove. Not even push comes to shove. If my knowledge base is bigger than yours and we're flow rolling, right? Ultimately, what will happen? Even if we're flow rolling, even if there's an even exchange of technique and knowledge, my knowledge base is bigger than yours. Who is going to win the flow roll? You're going to take me to a place that I, I no longer can At go. some point, I'm going to win. It'll be like a cartoon when the coyote runs off the edge of the cliff right. and then he's <laughs> running in his... Feet are moving in the air. Then he looks down and goes, oh, I have no ground to stand on. Right. Yeah. Right. So if we're both flowing evenly, there's no egos in place, right? We're both just looking for technical growth. We shouldn't have to worry about the the tap here and there. Because if there is really a, a, a knowledge get discrepancy there, the more knowledgeable person should, in the flow role, be able to take you somewhere where you can't keep up, right? Where it's so far outside of your realm of ability. The person that's the less experienced of the two should appreciate that that ride because he's never gone that far into the story, right? He's never been so far to understand what's out there. He got exposed to it in a very easy, safe, controlled manner. And then next time he kind of has a better idea where he's going to go. But most people can't do that. Mm-hmm. And that's where the problem comes up. Yeah. Is there a danger in your role, too many of your roles becoming flow roles? Yes. 
I feel like the more you train at a place and the more you become friendly with people, it's easy to just make every role a flow role well, with the, people. Yeah. Again, there's there's huge benefits of flow running, right? Technical growth, the timing, the feel, um, sharpening of techniques. It helps you roll if you're injured because you and your partner will work around that injury, right? Um, there, there's huge benefits, but there's also downfalls to it too. If all of your roles are flow rolling, you will never know if the knowledge that you have and the skill that you've developed can survive under pressure. They've never been battle tested, right? And 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 people think, oh, competition is battle tested. No, not really. Um, competition is a way to to battle test your skills, but it's not the only way, right? Sometimes is you you can create like you really want a battle tested skill. Tell your Tell your teammate that you're close enough levels with. Say, hey, I'm going to armbar your left arm from mount. That is far more difficult to do than compete with that same guy and get the better of him in a competition, right? So there's different ways to to create, to, to work on adversity. Now, um, if you're always slow rolling 100% of the time, every day, every match, every role, every training partner, all the time, then that you're going to have this wide knowledge base, this deep knowledge base, but none of it is tested. And the, you're not testing the techniques. The techniques are perfect. Jiu-Jitsu is perfect, right? It's the human that fails. So you may have perfect technique, perfect understanding of the technique, and you may be able to even execute the technique perfectly, but you don't know how your mind and body will react when the pressure is on because things affect you, adrenaline, weight, being out of breath, right? All those things affect how your body reacts and performs. So if you don't ever turn it on, then your technique is never tested under pressure. Okay, that's a good point. Cause I, I, I just, I wonder that cause it is easy with people to just constantly, you're good friends, you just you tap, bump fists and you don't even say let's flow roll. You just become so comfortable with each other. That's kind of what it goes into. Some people can flow roll 100% every day, day in, day out, and they can turn on when they need to. Blake is one of them. Mm-hmm. Blake flow rolls all the time. The dude goes to compete, and it's like you flip a switch. He's like a different guy in the competition. You know? He's like war and death. You know, um, Other people have struggle a little bit more to turn it back on, You know, to, like, to, to turn it on when it needs to. Mm-hmm. So... It, it, a lot of it has to do personalities and, and things like that, but I think a healthy mix would be like a 60-40, 70-30, uh, the higher being on the flow roll side and the smaller proportion on, you know, the, the where you turn it on. Mm. Well, I guess we didn't mention, but obviously with the flow roll, you're a lot less likely to hurt yourself. So that does keep Absolutely. your body in, in shape and leading up to it competition that's probably the week before the best thing to do is just absolutely right right so i think you know when you're getting ready for a competition let's say the month out right and and it depends on how far out you prepare for a competition of course but let's say you're preparing for a competition in one month in one month you can you can add a few techniques to it right which is great but in that one month it's more important that you sharpen and perform well under pressure, right? With adrenaline, with being fatigued, with people that are gonna be resisting everything, that's important. Now, let's say you're three months preparation. So now you have, um, oh, by the way, one day a month preparation, the last week you should flow roll, so you're not injured for competition, right? Right. But um, let's say you have three months out. You could flow roll for a competition for about a month and a half to two months, and bring more weapons to your to your arsenal, right? And then test them prior to competition, and then flow roll right before, so you're not injured. So I mean, there's there's different ways of of using that to your benefit. Um, anybody that tells you that they go 100% every match, every roll, every day, is a liar. <laughs> it's impossible. You get injured. I don't, th- I don't see how your body could even withstand that for more than a couple weeks. I mean, I can do it. If I got a room room full of 
white belts. You know, there's not going to be a white belt that can take my A game. You know what I mean? Like, but I'm not getting any better. Right. You know, and and again, if you're competing with people near, if you're training with people near your level and you go 100% every day, it's just not going to work. So before we end, for the white belt, the new person who's trying to figure out how to flow roll, what are the things you tell new people when they're trying to flow roll that they often are doing incorrectly? Play. Play the game, right? If you want a hand, let's say you want to grab a wrist, right, for, for a Kimura, and every time you reach for that hand, they pull the hand away. Don't, like, hulk out on this person and, like, go after, like, you're trying to attack that, that hand. Try to figure out a way that the opponent puts the hand where you want him to. Like, play. Like, how could I make that happen? You know, um... It's like it's like when when you have dogs, right? If you want your dog to like come closer to you, you know you you give a treats, right? And then eventually you can just call the dog's name and it comes to you. Figure that out, like find that treat that helps your opponent put the hand where you want it to, so you can take it. Then they'll think that they're eventually they'll do it just because they feel like it's the right thing to do, mm-hmm. and then you can take advantage of them. Just having that, I think defaulting to play in your head just every time you're rolling just play have fun just just play that that is a good mentality yeah. it's not gonna make you the perfect flow roller but if you're it can be overwhelming when you're trying to flow roll with someone and you're thinking am i doing it right wait is this right wait should i should i do this or not just go hey, just just have fun and play yeah. and there's a difference between flow rolling and being reactive right so that's the other thing to be careful of is you can tell i'm flow rolling i'm getting all these positions and i'm moving to what extent like are you seeing what's happening in the role are you getting better are you looking for patterns of mistakes or patterns of success are you looking to repeat the successful patterns are you looking to avoid the patterns of failure are you watching what's happening if you're just there and accepting everything and there's no no thinking involved you're not taking full advantage of the flow role Speaking of flow rolling, this this whole conversation has been a, a flow roll of just back and forth, give and take. It's been beautiful. perfect, perfect experience levels matched. It's been perfect and beautiful. It, it it has. We've been dancing for almost an hour now. Thank you for dancing with me. I know you never thought you would, but I can't dance. But, but, but man, you just did dance. it. That's great. Before we end, we're gonna hop over to an email. All right, this email is from Nicolette. She says, greetings from a Bulgarian white belt practicing in Belgium in a language she cannot understand. And then in parentheses, French. And then she says, as I'm looking for ways to fill in the gaps in my knowledge, as well as the things I regularly lose in translation, I was wondering if you and Croydler have any books to recommend. I'm familiar with some titles. Then she says a couple, Mastering Jiu-Jitsu by Henzo, Jiu-Jitsu University by Salo Ribeiro. And then she says, but I was wondering whether and which would be worth the time and what they are they good for? I mean, technical knowledge, concepts, giving general context and history. So thank you, Nicolette Croiler. Throw some shade at her. Give her a little sting. <laughs> that, that, that's been the trend with the emails. Well, I was just going to say, you know, like books are tech, books for techniques to me aren't much different than like videos for, for techniques. You can watch it and you can see, you can learn some good stuff. The benefit, the, the change, the difference in a book is somebody's investing some money to get a book published, right? Where any idiot can take a camera and record himself. Mm-hmm. Um, so odds of you finding better techniques in a book versus an Instagram video are, are far higher. However, just like the video, the book still comes up short in the, in it that it's doesn't interact with you back, right? There's no feedback if you're doing a technique correctly or somebody guiding you on all the minutia. And you don't feel the technique as it works or as it's being done to you. So at best you can copycat it, but it doesn't mean that, you know, it's it's super applicable. It's, at the very least, it's a good tool to put different techniques on your radar. Right. And then you can, right. if you're in an area where, well, in Nicolette's case, she doesn't 
speak the language of the area There's she's training a story as well. There that at some point I want. I, I really do too. Yeah, but but I, you know we don't know it yet. Um, <laughs> but yeah, if you're if it's harder for you to retain some of the information in class, that would be a probably a, a good tool. Yeah. It's a source, but it's it's ultimately limited, right? So as long mm-hmm. as we understand the the source that we're learning or the things we're drawing from is there is a limitation to it, then then that's okay. As far as particular books that I like, I mean, man, there's a ton, there's a ton of books, you know, Kiji Peligro um, wrote, I don't know, a dozen books on both techniques with some of my family members like Hoyler and Hoyes, um, you know, the Machados. He also has written several books on history, um, the history of the family members, history of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Um, there's also Carlos Gracie, a building a dynasty, which has finally uh, has finally been translated to English. I think last year, or the year before, it's an excellent book. It's got a lot of very interesting stories and behind the scenes and and things like that. Um, so that, that's kind of what I would recommend if you want a book on history, look any Kijipaligo stuff or Carlos Gracie, building a dynasty. Um, those are both both really really good. If you're looking for technique books on technique try to find ones where the the person in the book the author of the book is somebody that would actually know what they're doing and again it's going to be easier to find that than on videos because you know if they're publishing a book they're they're spending some money Mm. so they're they're going to make sure it's good stuff cool thank you for that email if you guys have any questions send them to just jujitsu podcast at gmail.com. If you are in the Elkhart area, come train with us. If you want Croiler for a seminar, look him up on the website. Or if, if you emailed the Just Jujitsu one, that would he'd get that also. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he, he does a lot of seminars, and I would advise having him come in. So nice. that was so nice of you. I appreciate that, man. I'm just here. I'm just here for you. <laughs> I'm just like I said. You're my you're my dance partner now. Yeah, damn. All right. We just uh, salsaed <laughs> our way through this episode. Uh, oh, we I, before we, we have to get back. I know. I know you have to wine and dine someone soon. But briefly, we cannot forget our couple episodes. I think it was in the Kimura episode. We left you in an alley with a guy. Oh my god! And you were teaching him how to Kimura. <laughs> I know a lot of people were worried about what happened there because it ended. You well, you were walking down the street with your wife. This guy said. Hey, uh, can you show me a Kimura? You walk into this alley way, go to our, like I said, the Kimura episode, and then you're on the dirty ground in this alley teaching him a Kimura because you're just sacrificial and you'll do that. Mm-hmm. And then you see shadowy figures approach from both ends of the alley. Now, we left off there not knowing what was happening. We need to find that out real fast. So you are on the ground with this guy, you are, and you're in side control applying this Kimura. Your wife, you look up after seeing these shadowy figures. She's nowhere to be seen, and these guys are walking up. Now, you notice that there are two coming down one side, two coming down the other side. You, For some reason, they're wearing the uh, like masks that they have in the Purge movies. Oh, okay. And, yeah, and one of, one of them is about my height. The other two are like probably six feet. They're getting closer, and they're just whistling. See, that's that's when you uh, that's when you pull a Hanzo right, and you <laughs> punch one guy, knock him out. Boom! Yeah, uh, the big guy is a small guy. Always a small guy first. I know you've told me that. Always yeah. a small guy first. Yeah, and then you take down the big guy, and then you choke him while he's unconscious. You punch him in one eye. When he wakes up, you choke him, and you punch him in the other eye. But you Hanzo, to- at, at Henzo style. I know Henzo did that. If anyone hasn't checked it out, go look it up. Just put Henzo Twitter fight, and you'll you'll find yeah. a recap of this. But don't don't distract us from what's happening here. Well, what's happening here is that I also have a buddy now because I taught him how to do a Kimura. So he's an ally. Oh, that's that's very true. Yeah, and now he can take on the other two guys. That's this, you're, dude. You're getting the hang of this. So, <laughs> so you you take these two guys down. He stands up, looks. He's scared. So you kind of have to reassure him. He's like, right. I, I can't do this. I, I don't know if I can do this. He just needs to survive long enough for me to take those first two guys down. He grabs both of your shoulders and says, "Do you think I'm capable of taking one of these guys down?" 
<laughs> you have to assure him. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell him, yeah, get his shit together and, and go handle his shit. Wow. So he kisses you on the cheek because he's Ooh. so grateful. He's so grateful. <laughs> and then he runs full speed at this guy and dives hands up in the air. And the guy just stabs him in the stomach and he falls down. Hey, now, he took one for the team. <laughs> he bought me time. He did. Unfortunately, <laughs> you didn't teach him takedowns no. or any self-defense. No. So he only knew that Kimura. So yeah. he's on the ground now. He's bleeding out, face yeah. down in a puddle. And now you're approaching. One of the guys pulls out uh, nunchucks, uh-huh. <laughs> pulling him up. The other guy whistles, and he has like this falcon that comes from the other side of the alley that, that <laughs> talons go in the back of your head. Wow. So you have very deep talons in the back of your head right now. I mean, I, I, I think we're going to have to pick this up at a later time. Okay. And I'm just going to say it's a big enough bird <laughs> that you now feel your air, your, your, Elevating. You, you, oh, your feet dang. are off the ground. Cliffhanger, literally. Cliffhanger right there. <laughs> All right, to be continued. Yeah, I think that this could just go for the rest of our podcast series. We, we pick up every episode in yeah, a new more place. More ridiculous. We'll see where yeah. it goes. <laughs> All right, everyone. Thanks for listening. We'll see you later.